the opposite of hipster, Man United uh, tops the uh, tops the tiers of Group E along with Real Sociedad, uh, Sheriff Tiraspol, and Ammonia. This group reminds me a bit of Group C in that I feel like it's going to be two separate battles for the mm -hmm. qualification spots. You have a fight for first with United and Sociedad in all likelihood, and then a fight for third. Right. Right. Um, so, I guess we have to talk about United. This is, for the record, not why we're doing this podcast. and <laughs> to, uh, to talk about uh, the United States of Manchester. Um, where do we even begin here? Do we begin with... Uh, what a mess. I don't know, because they've been so up and down, it's hard to know whether we want to begin Mostly by trashing down. them. Mostly down, but they also uh, beat Liverpool. Yeah, we don't, we're not here to, again, we're not here to talk about Premier League results, really. Mm -hmm. Yes, they beat Liverpool. Yes, they got hammered by Brentford. Um, and I think instead, let's start with the players they've brought in, because it's yeah. been a really crazy window for them. Very crazy. Um, you know, they let a lot of people go on freeze, um, and they've brought in, for one, Casemiro for 70-plus. Um, they brought in Lissandro Martinez from Ajax, who I think is a really good signing, even though uh, the English former team. United players in the media think he's too short uh, because they live in 2002. Uh, Christian Eriksen on a free... Who's been who's had a solid start for them? Um, Martin Dubravka as a backup goalkeeper for De Gea. That's the key signing right there. Yeah, uh, he might be playing in Europe a lot actually, though. So Possibly. That is we'll see. Probably it could be a key signing for their European performances mm -hmm. if they choose to rotate goalkeepers and, for that. Um, Malasia from PSV, right? Or is it Feyenoord? He was Feyenoord. Feyenoord, yeah. A uh, good young player, but not that young actually. Not as young as you think. He's like twenty three. Like, yes. Yeah, he gives off. Really young vibes. Like he does. You watch him play. He looks like a nineteen-year-old. Yeah, oh, he's nineteen. Uh, but actually, I've been a little bit impressed with him so far. I thought he's been really good. I thought he's been year. yeah, you like thrown in the deep end kind of right away in difficult situations, and he's done pretty well. And he's sort of right now temporarily at least won the job from Luke Shaw. Um, and then the big one, the big money, Anthony, money. <laughs> Anthony and Cleopatra for a hundred almost. I think a hundred with add-ons. Um, 95. Uh, Anthony coming from Ajax, they splashed the big bucks on him. Uh, how do you feel about that? <laughs> I, I think he is, the value they paid for him, they way overpaid for a player of Anthony's quality, in my opinion. I mean, there's potential there, but the market around him was just insane, and Ajax could just kind of sit around and keep rejecting until the last second when United were just, they knew United were just going to keep raising the price. Um, I want to be disappointed in their signings because I want United to struggle as somebody who is anti-big clubs and also a little anti-Premier League as well. I want to see them continue to struggle. Well, but Anti-United is something we can all agree yes. on. Um, I actually think these are pretty good signings. I think Lissandro, yeah. it, like, I know there's criticisms of his height, but like you said, we're not in 2002 anymore. Short players can play center back effectively. Yeah. And he's, I, mean, I think he's proved in the last two weeks that he's very capable of still being physical and controlling space, mm -hmm. even despite his vertical his vertical reach. Yeah, and as much as we dislike Maguire, his strengths are his use of his head. Yeah. Right? It's a big old slab head. Well, actually, reason. he's been starting with Varane Martinez. Yeah, I actually do like that pairing as well. Yeah, me too. I, I, Maguire's been benched the last couple of weeks. We'll see if that continues. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they'll rotate a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, they don't have, like... It's going to be a little interesting, too, because they don't... Uh, the few players that... Ten Hag has had to bench in the last couple of weeks to get the performances he wants. Um, you know, Luke Shaw, Juan Bissaka doesn't play at all. Uh, Fred, uh, you know, Maguire, a lot of these guys. Uh, you wonder, I mean, they're going to have to rotate in at some point because yeah. they can't play with the same, like, 13 players every week. Um, they have a little bit in the front line now that they can, you know, they can rotate with Rashford, Sancho, Anthony. Uh, they have uh, Martial is coming back from injury. Uh, so they have some things they can do up front, but it'll be interesting to see in defense in the midfield how he handles that that uh, that rotation. Um, and if he can get, like, you know, they haven't played great. They didn't play great last week. Played well against Liverpool. Didn't play great last week, but won. Um, you know, headed in the right direction in terms of just, like, pure effort. <laughs> yes. And doing the things Den Hag wants to do a little bit. And Casemiro will put in effort yeah, as well. Casemiro, yeah, so That's... you wonder, like, but, you know, if he can't play every game... 
how does it look when Fred and McTominay have to play together in a pivot again? You know what I mean? Yes. Um, but, yeah, on the whole, like, it's hard to say that everyone's done well so far, but, like, not if you take out the, the, the money, then everybody I, we just read out is, like, kind of an annoyingly good signing. Yeah. Even if the fees were maybe more than we would have wanted our team way to too much. Yes. I think the Lissando Martinez one is totally reasonable, though. I think that's... I thought they overpaid a little bit. I don't what think they, his... Was it a little bit like 40? I thought it was close. I thought it was like 48 or mm. closer to 50. But even that, I just don't think the, I just don't think I there think was a ton of compare, market around him. If you him. compare other center backs who have been sold to these big clubs recently, a little bit of a steal. If he's as good as advertised because, you know, Ben White was 50, for instance. Yes. Like, he's left... Oh, like, again, I'd was... take him over Ben White. I like Ben White, but... Well, instantly. But ben White was overvalued because of course player in the Premier League. Yeah, but, like, know, registration rules Maguire was 80. Again. <laughs> 80! Maybe we shouldn't compare prices to Harry Maguire, the most expensive center back in 80. history. Diaz was 80, who's obviously great. Van Dyke was 70-something, yeah. obviously great. But, you know, these mm-hmm. play, if you're if you're paying for this sort of thing, you usually pay a lot. Yes. Uh, I do... I think Casemiro could be a really key addition to this team because... Health-depending. Yes, health-depending. And he is really solid defensively. Obviously, we saw him with Real. He can break up attacks really easily. He'll pick yeah. up a yellow card at some point mm. in the game, probably. At least one. Yes. But both their fullbacks are super attacking, so I've been a defensive player that you can rely on mm-hmm. in the midfield who can sit in front of those two center backs and protect them a little bit. Yeah, it's a it's pretty really, big really deal. Really it's what they've been them. missing for years. Yes. Like, so it's, pr- and it's pretty obvious they needed somebody who can link play with defense and... Uh, tackle basically and hold the defensive position like not terribly um the other reason i like the anthony signing as well is that he'll probably play on the right which allows them to move sancho over to the left and ten hog likes to use players who kind of inverted wingers so they're right footed on the left wing left footed on the right wing and sancho right footed on the right wing was having to do things that don't suit him particularly well and moving him back over to the left could be the key in finally unlocking him at United, since he's kind of, I don't want to say he's been bad, but he's disappointed a little bit since yeah. moving there. And been in a tough situation, to yes. be fair. Yeah. But Anthony and Sancho on opposite flanks is kind of frightening, yes. in theory. Yeah, I still um, think the number nine spot is a bit of an issue for them. Marcy, agreed. Yeah, and Rashford don't do it for me. I agree. I think, I'd be interested to see Marcy, I know he's been not fit, but I, I think he looked good in preseason, apparently. And I'd be interested to see him playing there instead of Rashford because as much as everyone loves Rashford and he's a great guy but like he just hasn't had the form and he can't score right now and uh, I feel bad for the guy but also I'd be interested to see somebody who's a little more comfortable in in the traditional center forward role um, rather than coming off the left anyway we should move on to Sociedad Sociedad, yeah start with their traditional center forward role as well since they just sold Alexander Isak to Newcastle for an absolute bag, and then what they get for him? Was like million up front, five in euros. In euros, sixty-eight. Well, that's it's about the same. One right that's now. crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, uh, sixty-eight yeah. million up front and five million in relatively easy add-ons. Cool. So around so seven. seven 73 million total. It's expensive. Yeah. But Newcastle's big signing, but we're not here to talk about Newcastle because they aren't a good enough club to be in Europe right now. Yet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but Dad then went out and got Umar Sadiq from Almeria for about 20. Almeria. Almeria. No, it's not going to do that. <laughs> for about 20, and he is tearing apart the second division the last few years. He helped Almeria get promoted. He's basically a knockoff version. Like for like? Yeah. Yeah. Do very similar things with the ball. They both honestly kind of got that spindly look to them, kind of tall players. So yeah, I think he should be able to slide in really well. Um, hopefully performs better than Isak did last year, which was really bad. And, uh, but the year before, Isak obviously was incredible. So I think it's just a you know momentum and form issue for him last year. It wasn't that Isak's mm. a bad player. Yeah. But if Sadiq can slide into the team, he should be able to, because the play styles will be very similar. Right. Yeah, and they have a lot of uh, offensive production to replace this year in general, um, because, you know, with Isaac and Jose, 
leaving. And um, Oyazabal is out. Oyazabal is out. Yeah, probably almost the entire year. Yeah. yeah. So they their answer is not only uh, Sadiq, but to hit the transfer window. Uh, to attack the transfer window with some more attacking players. They had right winger Bryce Mendez from Vigo, 15 plus million. Uh, center forward Momocho from Angers for 12. He's kind of young, um, and you'd think uh, he might be, you know, working on being a backup for Sadiq. Um, and then right winger Takafusa Kubo from, from Real for 7 million. Uh, he's only 18. He's had a lot of hype around him recently, yeah. being called the. Japanese messy, you know, which is it's you ever so uncreative messy, so uncreative. Yeah, um, um, yeah. I am really excited to see how he does at Sociedad. I think he's a great to get Sociedad player, player, isn't yeah. he? Sociedad are really good at picking out this this sort of player, so I suspect he's going to be good as a result. Um, and their development of players in the last few years, has yeah, been Isak in particular, quality, who yes. didn't do great uh, in Germany, mm-hmm. um, but immediately clicked with them. Uh, Alexander Sorloff is another guy, another forward they brought in on loan from Leipzig. Um, yeah, so they're, it's clear what they're prioritizing, um, but... Yeah, because they were really, really strong defensively last year. They kept yeah. 20 clean sheets in La Liga, which was a lot. the most, and I yeah. think that'll probably be the reason they I could see, the yeah. is, And I, I could see that being a problem uh, for United when they play each other, because mm-hmm. obviously, we've known this for years, United's team strengths are not breaking down a block. Yes. It's, it's countering teams that are better than them. I also um, think it gives... Uh, Associate had a bit of an advantage when you play the smaller teams as well because you're so confident that you'll keep them out of net versus United who right. have the propensity in the first few weeks of the Premier League to make mistakes at the back line, um, particularly De Gea doing something silly when he gets the ball at his feet. Yeah, luckily for them, Maguire might not play that much. <laughs> um, hopefully for them. I wish he would play so they do worse. Um, so let's talk about Sheriff Tiraspol. Uh, we've talked about them already a little bit, so I don't want to dwell on them, um, meaning in previous pods. Um, obviously, yes, they finished third in their Champions League group best of the year. They beat Madrid at the Bernabeu. Um, eventually, they went out on pens to Braga. Uh, but this is hardly the same team. Um, one player from the starting 11 is still at the club who beat Madrid last year. And week. that's uh, Otto in midfield. He's probably their best player. He's really, really know. good. Um he was really good against Madrid as well, so you know he's still there and still talented. But replacing that many guys in the span of a year is yeah, tough. it's tough. Um, really still, tough. They're still solid. They're off to a pretty dominating start in Moldova. They brought in the two fullbacks. They brought in Guedes and Heron are both off to really really good starts and look to be really good players and potentially people to be snapped up by slightly bigger teams in the near future. Um, my Big concern is that this team, Moldovan League is not very good, right? This and is true. When they've played in Europe, they haven't looked particularly great so far. Particularly they, in front of goal. Yes. It should be pointed out. Yeah. They did beat Maribor, but then they lost to Pleasant, who I'm not super high Champions on. Champions League team, though? Yeah, yeah. Decent team, Polish, right? Or no, no uh, Czech. 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 I get the Czechs in Polish. They won the Czech League last year. Yeah. They're, so they're, they're a good decent spot. team, yeah. but I'm just not super high They're on better them. than Sheriff. Um, they should be better than Sheriff. Yes. And then they beat Punic, who also aren't a very good team. And they no. Punic, really didn't look good no. against Punic. They could not find a fucking goal against Punic over yeah. two legs. Um, so I, yeah, this is another one. This is one where, you know, everyone's going to be excited because of how they were last year. But A, don't be that excited because they're basically owned by the Transnistrian government, uh, break-off government. Mm-hmm. And don't be too excited because they're not the team of last year. Uh, I think I mentioned last week or two weeks ago that they... Um, like half their best players were sold like immediately in January <laughs> or, or were snapped up by other people. Um, so they were a totally different team even going to the, in the Europa League knockouts last year. Um, so uh, don't get too excited about them. Uh, but do get excited about Ammonia because they're from Cyprus. And we're high on Cyprus in this pod for some reason. Especially I really Ammonia. Don't know why we got so high. Especially Ammonia because they're like a little leftist, them with right? Bleach. That's cool. Yeah, Ammonia and Bleach. Great yeah, combo. You should that's how they beat the. Try it at home. That's how they do that. That's how you dominate your opponents. Yeah. Um, so, I feel like you should be convinced they deserve to be here just based on beating up Ghent twice. Yes, that's a very impressive performance. Um, it, nobody saw that coming. Um, it's old, old team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should say that about every team in Cyprus. Uh, yeah, it was actually um, 
only in 2021 that the team won their first ever group stage game in Europe. Which was against Pauk, a Greek Hilarious. team, which is a pretty good yeah. team to be beating at that stage. Um, and part of that was when they were dominant. In Cyprus, the league was really small and yeah. didn't have any funding. Uh, just completely overshadowed by the Greek league. Any decent player was immediately snapped up by a Greek second division team, mm-hmm. even would be snapping up players. Um, and they've been had kind of a weak spell during the 2010s when the league has kind of been establishing itself as a fairly competitive one. But now that they're back up to the top, I think that they can jump right back into being a pretty dominant team there. Yeah. They finished third last year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Cyprus League's having a bit of a moment. Um, yeah, somebody they brought in, uh, Moreto Kasuma from Rem for $1.5 million, which for them, phew, money spending. Um Again, because you get, like, what, 3.5 for the group stages? So, uh, he's only 24 or 57 appearances for Rem, and that seems like it could be a good signing for them. Um, anyway, that's going to bring us to our second final. Well, we also need to verbalize our predictions. Oh, yeah, fuck you. Okay, um, what do you think? I think United is going to win the group. I think Sociedad will be second. I think Ammonia will be third. I think Sheriff will be fourth. I have associated that top in the group. I love that. As I think they're just more solid defensively, yeah. which will frustrate United when they play head-to-head. And I have some fears of United potentially dropping like a weird game oh, for sure. at Cyprus. I think I wrote that Sheriff. down. They're 100% going to lose at Ammonia. 100%. Uh, I don't think Sociedad is a team that would drop those games. I think Sociedad will be I think Sociedad more. might not lose a game in this group, but I think they'll drop a bunch of points. I think they're okay. just like, just because they'll have games the where they hard have trouble scoring. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is Spanish and English teams do really, really well in group stage games. They take them very seriously compared to true. other top divisions. Like mm-hmm. the French, German, and Italians will more, are more likely than the English and Spanish yeah. teams to drop those weird games. So I just think Sociedad's like a little better suited to Spanish league than they are to Europe at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's my reasoning. Um, I gotta take a piss. I'll be right back. All right. Sounds good to me. Dude, we got well, three more groups. What? Yeah, we're on group F. Yeah, F, G, right? H. What? There's an H? Yeah. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Oh, fuck. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll definitely okay. need two parts. Alright, we're, we're at a big milestone now. We are five-eighths of the way through. Wow, that is huge! <laughs> That's a big deal. Um... Here we've got Lazio, we've got Feyenoord, we've got Michelin, and Sturm Graz. Uh, why don't we kick things off with Lazio? El Lazio. Lazio. If you will. Uh, oh, no, we won't do that because that's rude. And we shouldn't say the words Nazi. Shouldn't say the podcast. word Lazio either, but yeah. uh, they, here we are. They were Mussolini's club. They have some really, really far-right fans <laughs> in some of their supporters groups. But they also have some really normal fans who are just people from the suburbs that feel more represented by Lazio than they do Roma. <laughs> we won't get into it. Um, but they, not always the best team in Europe. They've dropped, they're one of those Italian teams that kind of struggles in group stages a lot. Will drop weird games every once in a while and maybe put themselves in a bad spot and have to send out the full starting 11 in game week 6 to beat a team from like <laughs> the third division of Slovenia. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they're, I, they've had an interesting transfer window. I kind of like what they've done. I, they lost Acerbi to Inter, but they brought in Romagnoli, who, in my opinion, is a pretty big upgrade. They also brought in Casale from Verona and Mario Gila from Madrid, who are center-back options. I think Casale, in particular, will be pretty good for them this year. Gila, maybe more in the future. Right now, Patrick... Has been starting. Who? Patrick, center back. Patrick. Patrick, but without a K. So where's he from? South America somewhere. Oh, really? (laughs) Believe so. Because when just like written like that, I would I would have been sure it was like Patrich, (laughs) from like Serbia. You know what I mean? Uh, Spanish. It's just Spanish. Oh wow. Thought he might have been Argentinian, but Patrick. Patrick. I think he is really really bad at center back. He's like a mediocre fullback, and he's just a bad center back. He's just not good at it. But he's been starting next to Romagnoli, so I think Casale will take over that spot first. Casale and Romagnoli opposite foots. They should play well together. Um, But defense has never really been the strength of this team. They were mid-table defensively last year. They allowed 58 goals, 
which is yeah. not good. Uh, but they scored 77, which was the most in Serie A. Immobile, obviously, putting in a ton of those. His a, usual. Yeah, his usual near 30, being Capocanieri of Serie A. And he also plays well in Europe, despite the rest of the team. Is that Golden Boot? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he is also plays well in Europe as well. And Luis Alberto, one of the wingers on the team, he's very good, assuming he's still there and doesn't move at the last second. Um, I'm a little... I'm not sold on Sarri as the manager. I, he's trying to build something like he did at Napoli, but it's it takes a while, and I don't think Lazio are... Patient? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I also think it's, str- it's tough for them because... You know, the big three in Italy are actually playing well right now, so it's not like Napoli where you could kind of get into the top four and be in the Champions League. Lazio have to overcome Roma and Napoli because yeah. they're just not anywhere near. They're just like the sixth or seventh best team. Yeah. And I, th- I think they're sixth. Again. I think they'll be in this spot again next year. But also, uh, Milinkovic Savic, one of the best midfielders He's in the world. Yeah. He is incredible. Uh, Crazy so, he's stayed on Lazio all this time. Yeah. There's something about these Italian kind of like three to seven they're loyal teams like they get some players who stick around at Koulibaly stayed at Napoli forever Jeez Mertens as well very loyal yeah um their goalkeeper situation will be interesting I'm I love Maximiano but obviously he didn't ingratiate himself to Lazio or their supporters right away because he picked up a red card in like the third minute of his first game (laughs) very blatantly just handling the ball outside the box (laughs) for some reason um, and he, I think he fits with what Sari will want to do because he's a very good sweeper keeper. He'll come out of his box a lot. He can play with his feet, and Sari likes a goalkeeper who can do that. But that also does pose some risk. Um, so it'll be his first time in Europe. We'll see how he handles it. They also have Probadell, who's been actually really solid for the start of Serie A season, but Maximiano should be the uh, number one. And then they brought in Marcus Antonio from Shakhtar who will play in the midfield, and I think he has a chance to be a really, really key piece for them. He's looked very good. He was great at Shakhtar, one of the players of the of the Ukrainian League last year. So expect big things from him. Yeah, well, this isn't a Serie A podcast, so let's move on okay, to... Okay, okay. <laughs> I got him. I made him mad. I could talk about Lazio yeah, for a while. I know you could. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about their biggest competition in Feyenoord. Mm. Um, you know, off to a good start in the league. As are all the best Dutch teams, because there's only five good ones. Um, yeah, and obviously they made the Conference League final last year. Playing the other Roman team. Yeah. Uh, perhaps a bit unlucky in that final. Um, but they lost a lot of players. They have Malakia, big one. Um, Senesi to Bournemouth. Gustil, not directly because he was there on loan. But he is now at PSV. Yeah. Kus. Um, and Arsnes to Benfica. I, I think that's how you pronounce it. Sinistera, too. Oh, can't believe I left him off. Yeah. Leeds. He's been good for Leeds so far. Yeah, a lot of big, important players have moved on from that team. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they'll just, like, replace them with good young guys again. Yeah, I feel like you have to have faith in Feyenoord to replace players. I feel like they've shown... It's their thing. They've shown the ability to scout well, the ability to develop players, so... And they have a pretty amazing ground... It'll be tough to play in. Really good, amazing fans. Um, they did manage to keep uh, Kochku, the midfielder, who was really, really good for them last year. And uh, they brought in Timbers from Utrecht. Timbers. Who I really like him. He's Timbers is great. A good start as well. And uh, Bijlau, goalkeeper, who is already getting a decent number of looks from the Dutch team. So mm-hmm. very talented goalkeeper. See how long they can keep onto him. But... And they brought in uh, Danilo from Ajax, who scored three goals in his first four games for them. Looks to be a good signing to replace a lot of the goals that they've lost. You know, like we said, we have faith in them to just kind of replace players and bring in new ones that they'll then sell off in two years and then bring in a new batch. Yeah. I think they'll be pretty competitive here. All right. Uh, Let's go to uh, Denmark. Michelin. 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 They are uh, three-time league winners. Uh, 15, 18, and 20. Uh, pretty poor start for them. Yeah, 9.7 seven games. games. It's like, eh, yeah. pretty mess start. Um, you know, they actually have the most goals in the league so far. It's kind of weird. Uh, but they've conceded 13 in, in those seven games, which isn't great. Been a little bit unlucky, you'd think, because their XG conceded is only 8.2. 
Um, so, you know, that's a, that's a minus five or a plus five difference uh, for those of you math heads out there. <laughs> and actually conceded, I think, is one of the things where it is more unlucky rather than for normal XG compared to actual goals. Yeah. XG conceded to actual goals allowed because you're not playing someone who's always super clinical. Like, you could have a striker that's just super clinical and will always overperform his XG. The conceded, it's just about who you're playing right. and how they're doing that day. So. And the defense is a bit of a concern coming into this group with, you know, as many attackers as Lazio and Feyenoord have yeah. in-house. Um, it could be difficult for them to keep clean sheets in this group. Um Player-wise, Andrews Dreyer has gotten off to a nice start. Four goals. Um, he's they, they bought him for $5 million um, from Ruben Kazan. Uh, Evander is supposedly good midfielder. Um, meanwhile, they sold defensive midfielder Rafael Onyedika to Brugge for $11 million. Um, uh, and Gustav Isaacson uh, also has four goals this year. So... Um, that, that that those are the ones to look out for up front. Onyedika is a big loss. He was getting yes, he interest from teams like Milan. Yeah, I can't believe Brugge got him. Lille, I think, were after him for a bit as well. So there were big teams that were chasing him, and Lille were the ones who coughed up the money. So that's a, a big loss for Michelin. Lille? Or, yeah, Brugge. Brugge, sorry. Yeah. I, I meant to say Lille were after him yeah. for a little bit. I'm surprised Brugge, Brugge yeah. got him, actually. I wonder, I, I bet you won't be there for that. I bet they'll flip him for like 35 <laughs> million in a couple yeah. of years. Um, the price there. Yeah, so uh, I don't have super high hopes for Michelin in this group, but uh, and I think they'll, much like some of these other groups we've been talking about, competing for third or fourth with Sturm Graz, uh, who were Austrian runners-up last year. Uh, they beat Salzburg 2-1 recently. That's nice for them. Um, the Austrian teams have sucked so far. Yeah, there's only three of them left. Um, I mean, how many were there to begin with? Five. Five? I mean, yeah, yeah. So Rapid went out in pretty embarrassing It was like the manner they've gone out, though. Yes, yeah. And the manner in which they've just not performed of Austria were guaranteed group stages, so they obviously are still in it. Right. And I think Sturmgras were also guaranteed group stages from the position they went in in the champ in uh, groups, but I don't remember. In playoffs, but I don't remember. They must have. Were they even in the playoffs, or did they go straight to Europa League in second? They go straight. I think they might have gone straight. I don't remember. I don't remember either. We'll look that up later and yeah. not tell you. Tweet about it? I don't know. Fuck it. Yeah. Do it yourself. Do something for yourself, for God's yeah. sake. God. We can't, we can't do everything you can't hold for you. Forever. Fuck me. Um, but the last year, Sturmgras were in the Europa League as well. They came dead last, but it was a really tough group. PSV, Sociedad, and Monaco. It's That's brutal, yeah. No surprise that Sturmgras came it's last. Brutal. Um, tough uh, to get a read on the team, just because haven't been able to see a ton of them play yeah. in the Bundesliga. And they've been a little up and down in the Bundesliga as well, just statistically and from the games we've seen. Uh, they're not a possession team, which actually they play a little differently than you'd expect mm-hmm. for a top team. For a top country. team, yeah. Um, you know, for instance, Salzburg, obviously a huge, uh, a huge outlier in the Austrian league these days. But they had over sixty percent of the ball last year. Um, you know, other big teams, Lask had like fifty-seven percent. Uh, they only had Sturm Graz only had forty-four percent of the ball though, um, which is unusual. Uh, you know. 50% of the ball last year when they finished second in the league. Um, I don't know. That, 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 that I don't know if that necessarily means anything uh, in the context of this group, other than they actually might be better suited to sort of absorb Lazio and, uh, and Feyenoord and Michelin um, and hit them on the counter. Um, yeah, familiarity with that style could be key in picking yeah. up. I think that could actually benefit win. them here, is like being comfortable in that. Um and, you know, for that reason, I still have them finishing last. <laughs> I do as well. <laughs> it's another, again, it's, just, it's kind of a tough group for them. They have gotten pretty unlucky yeah. with their Europa League draws the last couple of years. I think, this, I think they could be in a real conversation for third if things go right for them. But I'm going to give Michelin the edge for that position. Yes. Who do you think is going to top this group then? You know what? I'm going to say Lazio. I think Lazio have enough firepower that... Um, they, they won't be bothered as much going to Denmark and Austria. Um, and that, but, you know, I could see it going either way. I think, I just don't think Feyenoord will get a result in Italy. Yeah. I think the Feyenoord Lazio games will be good, but I don't think they'll be decisive. Yeah, I agree. Group. I think Lazio will find a way to just drop some random yeah. weird game and Feyenoord will finish top because yeah. of that. So. And then because of that, Lazio will fall in 
to the playoff uh, round against the draw, Champions League teams. Like Barcelona. I'll look at Barcelona, yeah. Who are actually, according to 538, third favorites in the Euro. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Let's move on to Group G. Another fun group. Uh, this one, again, kind of hard to get a read on this group and where teams might Another hipster finish. Group. This is definitely one of the more interesting ones. You have Olympiacos, Greek champions, last Greek team remaining. Kind of... Uh, well, they're not Spartans because they're actually from Athens, and so they would be very upset to be called Spartans. Yeah, but kind of a is. kind of a Spartan uh, last stand, three hundred esque type thing going on here. Cool. Uh, Quarabag, who will play Quarabag. Yeah, they're. I think Karabag. Is it Karabag? I don't think there's a U in there. But I thought it was like kind of a. This is how you pronounce QA. I don't know. At least I don't, if I don't speak is, Azerbaijani. I don't speak either, so. <laughs> or is it Armenia? No, it's Azerbaijan. Yeah. Uh, now that would be. <laughs> cut that! Cut that! Cut that! Cut. Yeah, uh, Freiburg from Germany and Nantes from France. And part of what makes this group interesting is that Karabag, the Q team, the Q, the Q and group, Olympiacos are the two higher seeded teams. So Freiburg and Nantes, not typical European competitors, which mm-hmm. made the, led to a pretty competitive group here. Yeah, uh, I don't. We start with, we start the with Olympiacos. Um, they haven't been particularly impressive, not to their usual standards in qualifying. Um, not super high on them right now. Yeah. Uh, do I am kind of high on them, but that's mostly because I have fond memories of listening to the call of Manolas scoring against Barcelona, <laughs> and he's now at Olympiacos. So it is nice. I hear them and his name, and it brings me joy. Okay, great, good for you. Um, but yeah, the Greek league as a whole really struggled in Europe this year, and it's kind of part of a worrying trend. They lost the Champions League team recently. They had two Champions League up until 2020, and now they only have one. Uh, Palk made a run in the Conference League last year, but they are the only Greek team besides Olympiacos to even make a European group over the last two years. Oof. And it was the Conference League. That's bad. And it wasn't the Europa League. That's really bad. But Olympiacos will hope to maybe... Uh, weather that storm for the Greek League, keep them keep the coefficient up so they don't lose even more spots and drop down further in the ranking. They'll have to do it with a really, really new squad, though. Brought in 10 different players that are expected to feature pretty heavily, either as expected starters or... That's so many... That's like, half of a Nottingham. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so one half of Nottingham. It's a pretty high bar. It's a high bar. But they're big losses. Uh, they didn't lose all that many players, but they did lose two really key players in Tiquinho and Mati Kamara, who left to Roma really late in the window. And Kamara, I think, is the big loss here because they haven't really replaced him, and the midfield is not very strong, which is a place that a team like Freiburg or Nantes should be able to control this team. I'm really excited about some of the signings, though. The Huangs coming in, they brought in two South Korean players who share... The name Huang. Um, one is more of a winger, attacking midfielder. The other, winger striker. So I think Huang will be up top playing in front of Huang. Okay. Yeah. Two Huangs. That checks on one out. Team. I only remember seeing one Huang play, but the first. The one... second one came in. Okay. After the the first one was really good in the game that we saw. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which yeah. fixture that was. Maybe Bratislava they were playing. The um, other one is the one that came from Liga and joined Nottingham and immediately gets loaned out mm-hmm. to Olympiacos. So. That'll, it'll be interesting to see how they play together. Um, they also brought in Pep Biel from Copenhagen, which okay. I think kind of shows the drawing power that Olympiacos still has. Yeah, they're still enormous. was about to enter his prime. He was playing routinely for Copenhagen, and Olympiacos were still able to... Who were in the Champions League. Yeah, so he gave up Champions League football with a big club to go play for Olympiacos. Mm-hmm. So definitely a, a sign of the strength that they have in being able to attract players, and he's another attacking midfielder. So that... Back line, uh, not back line, the front line, the opposite of the back line. Mm-hmm. The front line should be really, really good. It's more of a question of can the back line hold up and can the midfield step up from losing Kamara. Uh, cool. Their play style should be interesting, though, because they have Carlos Poblaran, who was a Bielsa prodigy. Disciple. Yeah, it's Disciple. And yeah. uh, he's the one who he almost got Huddersfield to the Prem, lost in the yeah. playoff final. And so he's a he's a pretty good coach. He did a lot of really good work at Huddersfield. That's actually I didn't I didn't actually know he uh, arrived there. That's I 
too bad. Maybe that's why Huddersfield are like at the bottom of the yeah. championship so far. Yeah, so he's clearly a good man. I actually had no idea he left. That's yeah. uh, I read a lot of stuff about him and his Huddersfield activity last year. A little surprised he left. Um, but yeah, he I think long term is an excellent sign for Olympiacos. He's a really good manager. Um, he isn't quite a playing style Bielsa esque. Like he's a little chiller. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's hard to be yeah. <laughs> less chill. I think it's like the, the general principle stand. I think he's just like a little more conservative, um, but mostly in practical ways. Um, so maybe they're just yeah. It might just take them a minute to gel mm-hmm. with all all this new, especially yeah, against those. We don't have a ton of time for them to yeah. gel. Game start next week, and right? Then, yeah. Um, yeah. So Freiburg, we, we shouldn't talk forever about Freiburg because we just had a club spotlight come on yeah. come out a couple weeks ago that you should check out if you haven't. Um, where we where I go into great detail about the club. Um, there was a fun fact that I think we didn't bring up mm-hmm. in the spotlight, and that's that Freiburg, for a bit, were banned from hosting night games at their new stadium because the city said it would be too loud. <laughs> so their fans are legally considered loud as fuck. That's funny. Uh, yeah, they're off to a typically good league start for their last couple of seasons. You know, they're, uh, they won, they've won three or four, right, I think? Yes, and their only loss was to Dortmund. Yeah. So it's not a bad loss. Right. Yeah. Um, Strike, the coach, he's mm-hmm. going into his 12th season with the team, so there's it's very kind of opposite of Olympiacos. There's yeah. a ton of familiarity with the manager. Yeah. Um, but this is only the fifth time they've qualified for Europe, and they've mostly been a mid-table side under his tutelage, which, to be fair, was a step up from when he got there. He's done a good job with yeah, yeah. the team as a whole. Um, big loss was Slaughterbeck. Brought in Matthias Ginter to replace him. Also added uh, Gregor Bisch and Duan as well. Mm-hmm. Um, did a whole breakdown on them, so yeah. go check that out. Go It'll check it out. More detail more on you know history, culture, current you know transfers this summer, what they're, what they're looking on to this year. Um, Third team, you know, is, they, no. David, they, uh, they wanted me to go to rehab, and I said no, 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 because no. no. rehabs there are really nice. Um, yeah, they've won the the league eight times. Yes, but uh, they're back in Europe for the first time since two thousand one for the Breton club. Yeah, and you know what? They didn't even qualify in Do via the league. league. They won the cup. Yeah. So, another mid-table finish for the club, but that is a bit of a step up from where they've been most recently. Uh, mm-hmm. Kumbare joined in February 2021. He's their current manager, and he took them from, I'm pretty sure they were bottom. They might have been 19th on goal difference at the time, and they won four of their last five games to survive a la Salernitana or Leicester. Mm. Um, didn't quite have the next season that Leicester did, but... You know, he brought them back into being a mid-table team. They had a great cup run, obviously. And he's someone who he played for Nantes for a bit and kind of came in. He just really seemed to understand uh, kind of the team as well and kind of what they want to do and the culture mm. around Nantes, which is a big thing, I think, when you're picking a manager to for a team that might get relegated. Sure. To keep them <laughs> up. Um, his CV, though doesn't Mixed. leave me with a ton of yeah. hope. He's managed some big teams. Like, he managed PSG. He was the manager of PSG when they were purchased by... Very interesting. The uh, UAE. And then was, obviously, let yeah. go. He's to like, bring in. They're like, you know, Carlo Ancelotti might yeah. be a better manager. <laughs> um, was it Laurent Blanc? I can't remember. But one of those big managers. Um, so, you know, not that embarrassing to be fired by PSG at that point. Mm-hmm. But he's uh, got a little bit of that Jose Mourinho third year syndrome okay. to him where a lot of times teams drop off yeah. around there with him um, he just hasn't stayed at the same place for super long right yeah but they've also been relatively busy in the transfer window their big loss was Kolomani who scored 12 goals last year lost him on a free brutal but they brought in Musa Sissoko uh, they brought I love Musa yeah the Moose they loaned in uh, Mustafa Mohamed who scored 7 goals in the Super League of the last year for Galatasaray, but he started really well for Nantes, so maybe it was a fit thing. He fits really well with this team. and mm-hmm. Might put in a better performance in a higher quality league as well. Um, they're not a possession-based team, so they're used to kind of playing on the back foot, playing that counter-attacking style, um, which might help with Freiburg and Olympiacos, who will probably definitely with have Olympiacos, more of yeah. 
will probably be used to getting a little more possession. Freiburg doesn't have a lot of doesn't usually. Yeah. They're not like Union style, but they do. They are flexible in their yeah. Play. Freiburg are more flexible, yeah. but but they'll probably have the ball against Nantes. Yes, they should, and yeah. it might help Nantes maybe get. You know, if they're struggling to score one game, being used to soak up pressure could help them pull out a draw if they're if just not clicking up front. Uh, they also have Moses Simon on the wing. He's a really good player. It's fun. Going to be good for them. It's cool. So the last team is Karabag. Do you want to talk about uh, them a little bit? I could. Uh, they've made seven of eight European group stages. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this isn't uh, this isn't the Karabag of old. Yeah, um, they've had some good results in the in the build up to the, in, the, in the qualifying, um, but they'll probably be last, right? <laughs> I'd imagine. Yeah, in the mid 2010s, they kind of peaked. They drew Atletico twice in the Champions League. They mm-hmm. managed, or they managed draws against Monaco and Inter. They finished about Saint Etienne in a group. Um, so like, they're definitely a potential banana skin. They should still be respected, but. Mm-hmm. It's gonna to be tough for them to get out of this group yeah. with the teams that they drew. Yeah, and even I could definitely see them today. picking up a fair number of points at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, those games in Baku. Like, yeah, it'd be hard to beat the, them in Baku. Probably one with the travel, but then also just yeah. playing a team like Karbag could be an issue. That could be decisive in the group. Mm, I agree. Um, so, how do you see this playing out? All right, I have a bit of controversy probably mm-hmm. with the uh, Olympiacos coming first. Controversy. I think the familiarity with the European schedules and balancing everything could help them a little bit. I have Freiburg coming second because I think that they are the most talented team in the group. Then I have Nolt and then I have Karbag finishing it off. But, you know, that's uh, I have Freiburg. I feel pretty confident about them winning the group. Uh, one thing I regret but I've already put it down so I'm not going back is putting non-second sort of an upset over Olympiacos, I think that's wrong, but I'm not going to be cowardly and change my mind. Okay. And then, yeah, the Azerbaijanians coming in last. Sorry, guys. And speaking of last, <gasps> should we move to our last group? David's famous transitions. Group H, <laughs> which uh, has Red Star as the pot one team, Monaco is your pot two team, Frank Varos, your pot three team, Frank Varos, rounding out the group. Um, yeah, that's true. Those are all true. Yeah, those uh, we have a guess. we have a number of uh, league winners here: mm-hmm. uh, Red Star, Ferencváros, Ferencváros, and Trabzonspor. All won their leagues last year. Uh, it was Trabzonspor's first league win in like thirty plus years. Um, so, um, Red Star, yes, perfect in the league so far. They have scored twenty five. They have conceded two. <laughs> so they're already romping. They have pretty good had more than a hundred points multiple times, and they don't have twenty teams in the league. So do the math for yourself. Um, they went out to Haifa in a tight one in the Champions League qualifying, which is how they got here. Um, they brought in a couple of strikers this summer: Alexander Pesic, who's Serbian, fourteen goals at Turkey last year. He scored in both of the Haifa legs. Uh, Khalifa Koulibaly was like a noms player last year, like a rotation guy, I guess. Uh, they picked up a 19-year-old winner winger from Sochi, uh, not just from the city, but like from, from the, club. the team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, otherwise, I don't really have much to say about them because they they just fucking dominate so hard in the league that it's hard to actually tell how good they are. You know, I'm pretty sure I once picked up a 19-year-old from Sochi once. Well. Hey, hey. Cut that, cut that, cut. Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything to say about them. Yeah. They're pretty I mean, good. We uh, talk about the atmosphere and crowds in the Balkans and. Red Star, known for being one of the best of those Vulcan crowds, so yeah. it's going to be tough First to place go. to play. Yeah. I could definitely see Red Star coming out of second in this group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monaco uh, have been off to a pretty bad start in League One. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, haven't really been off to the races. In their first four games, uh, I think they've played since, but just, uh, just over a goal per game in their first four leagues matches. Um, which ranks 13th in the league so far. Their XG ranked 4th, though, in those games, so they're also struggling being clinical. Uh, they have the second most big chances missed in those couple of games, too, in the league. Um, all around, not great, because they've also conceded the second highest XG <laughs> through four games. Um, you know, obviously, Ben Yedder is their big man up front. 25 goals, 5 assists last season, but he wasn't off the mark yet in those first couple. Um 
you know, you'd think it'll that'll change at some point because he's really good. Just um, an update on their league form since they played yesterday, and we haven't updated our notes on that since then. Mm-hmm. They lost to Trois. Ah, four two. Ah, they had a red card, but Trois are not. Ah, a particularly talented team in the league. <laughs> oh no! So that is. It's only gotten worse for them. They're currently in the relegation. Obviously, spots. the biggest loss was Shuameni, uh, who Madrid bought for so much money, um, eighty-eight million. Um, yeah, and they also lost. Who's he was like absolutely the key to their whole setup the last couple of years. He's been their best player, uh, other than Ben Yedder. So finding Diop also went to Nice for $24 million. Um, I mean, it's a good haul <laughs> for a team like that. I mean, imagine what they could do with over $100, uh, $100 million. Um, But clearly, it's going to take them a little while to get over the shoe of anything. Um, they brought in a 22-year-old defensive midfielder to replace him from Salzburg that I forgot to write down the name of, but he cost him $16 million. Mm-hmm. Um, They brought in Minamino from Liverpool for 16 as well. Braylon Bolo from Godblocked, 13, 14 million is a nice little pickup for them. Um, yeah, meanwhile, they just like a bunch of prospects too that are good. Benoit uh, Badiashile, 21 year old center back. Um, transfer market says his value is 33 million, which is quite a bit. Uh, they also brought in uh, Sar on loan from Chelsea uh, to fill out the ranks in center back. Uh, they have a right back also who's Brazilian and 21, who they bought from Gremio in January, named Vanderson. Um, other players you might recognize Alexander Golovin, um, Kevin Balland. Yeah, um, pretty good players. Um, I watched a couple of their performances so far this year, and Bilan Bolo and Minamino have really disappointed me mm-hmm. from the little bits I've been able to see of them. Not um, settling in. Yeah, and just Bilan Bolo even getting on the field. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. Um, so maybe it's just going to take some time because I really like Minamino. I think he could be a good player if he gets. Seems like a good level for him. Yeah. So we'll see how they end up fitting them in. Yeah. Uh, Ferencvaros, we've talked about them a little bit in some of our uh, previews and reactions to earlier playoff and qualifying rounds. They've won four straight Hungarian League titles. They beat Bratislava in Champions League qualifying, who are a pretty solid team, but they lost to Klarbog, who are also in the Europa League. So, you know, maybe shows this is kind of the level they should be at. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also have Marquinhos. Another Marquinhos. And an Adama Traore of last year, Sheriff yeah. Tiraspol fam. Yeah, I love it. Uh, you do. I don't have anything to say interesting. No, I, thought, uh, I think the, the names were interesting. The names? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's all I got. Let's do Trabzons for it. Yeah, like I said, first league title since 84. Long time. Uh, they're... Rose into fame in the 80s for crashing the historically all Istanbul party in the Turkish league, you know, with the, with the, three, with the three biggies, Galatasaray, uh, 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 yeah, Trabzon sort of like in the north on the Black Sea, kind of an unsexy town comparatively. They sort of take pride in that. Um, they uh, so in transfer wise, they sold a nineteen-year-old center back, uh, Ametkan uh, Kaplan to Ajax for ten million. So he's obviously going to be yeah, an, an incredible star. Um, you know that's a thing. Um, they uh, brought in Trezeguet from uh, no. from Aston Villa, which is interesting. Mark Barta from Betis, who's solid. And it's Bardi from Levante. Um, and also a uh, 21-year-old left-back named Aaron Almali and some others. So they've been a little busy. Yeah, other players they have, uh, their captain and goalkeeper, Ugurkan Kaskir. Sakir? Kakir. Kakir. Uh, he's a Turkish international uh, attack in mid, um, Abdul Kadir Amur, also a Turkish international. Uh, they kind of scored by committee last year. Andreas Cornelius, who's a Dane, uh, with 15. A Nigerian named Anthony Nwakemi, 13. Uh, the guy from Cape Verde, which Ooh, is really fun, fun, right? Is that fun? Yeah. His name is like Janini. Janini? Okay. Janini? Yeah, added in 10. Uh, he had 10, yeah. And Invisca of Bosnia and Herzegovina, 12 assists. Uh, 
Uh, Montgomery had yeah, he had ten, 10 assists as well. well. So he's yeah. a key part in their offense. Yeah, so they kind of like to spread the wealth um, in front of goal. Um, their coach is Abdullah Absi. Um, he's the fifth successive. Uh, sorry, this is the fifth successive season in the Super League that the title winning club was managed by a Turk. Hmm. Um, it's a fun little fact yeah. for you. Um, he was a runner-up managing Erdogan FC twice, uh, and also runner-up twice in the cup. So he'd not really won a trophy. Likes to come in second though. Yeah, but oh. now he's won, also won uh, two super cups, but which are sort of fake anyway. Yeah. But yeah, and, yeah, then, he and then got the his title, title now with Trabzon Sport. Um, so he has a pretty good record the last couple of years, and uh, uh, I think we'll, this is probably a good candidate to do this club spotlight on eventually. Um, even though Copa ninety just did that. Basically, they did. God, fuckers. They steal all our content. They steal all our shit. I think they're listening to us. They're listening. Oh, I hope so. Hi, Eli. Um, but yeah, I think they'll be. You know, they're not all. They haven't always been in Europe every year, but I think they're pretty equipped to be pretty competitive in this group. I agree with you on that. And so, in terms of predictions, I think we haven't talked about this, but I think we're both regretting picking Monaco to go through in first right now. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I don't feel good about that. I don't either. I think I'm gonna stick with it for now. Yeah, but I'm not super confident about that pick. I could see Monaco a, yeah. falling down a little bit. I truly have no idea what's gonna happen. I think Red Star could win this group. I think Trabzon Sport could win this group. Yeah, um, I don't really think Frank Bosch can win this group. I don't think so either. They're a decent team, but they could finish not last. Yeah, in a surprise. Yeah, I think we we have the same picks though. We have Monaco, Trabzon Sport, Red Star, and Finnish Vados in that order. In that order, and I think. Something's going to be fucked up there that we're not going to expect. Yes. This is one of those Europa League groups, I think, where you look at it and you're like, what? What? Yeah. You finished like that? Like, how? Yeah. Um, but I have no idea in what way. Well, you know the what? The only way to find out is to watch the games. Watch the games. And to listen to us preview and react to the games. Indeed. Um, the very first group stage match day, next Thursday, we'll be doing our customary preview on Wednesday. And our customary reaction on Friday. A um, couple of notes for you. Also, um, we'll be doing this exact same thing with the Europa Conference League, which will be coming out early next week, probably Monday. Um, and like this, it'll probably also be a two-parter. Hopefully not as long, <laughs> but one never knows. We just had um, a lot to say about some of these teams. Had a lot to say. And you know what? It, we said it was going to be a Palooza, group stage of Palooza. I and think it, was. it was. I think we succeeded. Give ourselves a little pat on the back there. That was quite the, quite the escapade. Um, and I think that's going to do it for any given Thursday here. Um, thank you for bearing with us and listening to all our shite. Um, look out for more to come. It's been a pleasure having you. And cheers to the gaffer. Cheers to the motherfucking gaffer.